So um, I want to play a little game with you to start out. It's called Word Association. I'm going to say a word, and I want you to, um, to share a word with me. Um, you can say it out loud if you want to or think it. I won't know what you're saying, but, but you can go ahead and do that. Um, the word this morning is worship. What are some words? Singing. Praise. God. Holy. Anybody? What was that? Adoration. Yes. I didn't hear that. Prayer. Yes. Prayer. All these are, are great words that definitely do describe worship. And this summer I had an opportunity to, um, to teach about worship at, at camp. And I imagine that asking the, the worship minister to, to teach at camp and to preach on Sunday morning about worship. I see Jeff has kind of pigeonholed me. Um, but they came up with many of the, uh, of the, same, of the same answers, quite honestly. And, and those were the ones that I was thinking of. You know, the Sunday morning church is what a lot of people think of. Singing, praise, adoration, prayer, holy. All these words were mentioned throughout the day. Whenever I asked our middle schoolers and high schoolers to think about the word worship. Since then, I've been thinking a lot about that word myself. And, uh, and a word that kind of came to my mind as I was preparing for today was the word awkward. All right, somebody's got the Facebook stream on. That's cool. <laughs> awkward. Worship is awkward, and I've got a, I've got a couple stories that I want to share that um, you know that that might uh, uh, bring that point to life a little bit. I want to start in Second Samuel, uh, chapter six. Second Samuel chapter six is when uh, David, King David, had just defeated the Philistines again. You remember he did it before with uh, with Goliath. He had just defeated the Philistines. He's on his way back to Jerusalem, and the Ark of the Covenant is coming back. God's dwelling place is coming back to Jerusalem. And David dances. The regal King David. It says in verse 14, David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. Now, if you can't quite picture in your head what it's like for somebody to dance with all their might, I want you to, I want you to watch this video really quick. This is one of our shepherds, Steve Autry. So um, let's go ahead and maybe it'll, it'll come up here in just a second. That's it. He's the tall, goofy one in the back right there. Audrey de definitely danced with all of his might right there. I've, uh, for those of you that don't know, I, uh, I DJ weddings as well, and, um, and I see people dancing with all of their might. Now, usually it's not because they're worshiping God. Um, maybe they've had a little bit of a liquid courage in there, but, but we saw, we can see what it's like dancing, and that it can be awkward. 
Trust me, watch me dance sometimes. You don't want to. It can be awkward. But David, it says he's dancing with all of his might. He is just laying it out there for everybody to see. And we know that he embarrassed his wife, Michael, the daughter of, of Saul. In fact, in verse 20, when David returned home to bless his household, Michael, the daughter of Saul and David's wife, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls, of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. David didn't care. He didn't care that... He was undignified. He didn't care that he made it awkward for his wife. He danced because he felt honored by God. He danced because he wanted to praise God, and it just came out of him. That worship just came out of him. He, didn't, he made a scene. He didn't feel uncomfortable. And he didn't care. I want, you to, I want you to hold on to that story of, of awkwardness. And I want to move up into the New Testament. We're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 7 if you, want to, uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles over there. So one of the things that I found out about Jesus in studying his life over my lifetime is he was kind of the master of, of these situations. <laughs> He was the, the master of the, of the awkward. I mean, think about what he did. He didn't care what people thought of him. He would go talk to those that were uh, lepers, those that were diseased in other ways, you know, the cripples uh, people, the people that had some sort of ailment. He would, go talk to, um, he, he would go talk to sinners. He would go to their homes, and people would talk about Jesus behind his back. Jesus would go meet with people that were demon-possessed. He would go find them. And he would cast their demons out into the pigs. And let me tell you, that I'm sure that was an awkward moment right there. People just standing in mouths agape. And Jesus raised people from the dead. I don't know what it was like to be in those scenes, but I know that it wasn't normal. Jesus didn't mind the attention being on him. Whenever he was pointing people to God. Always. You would see that. He didn't care what those around him thought of him. If he was pointing to God. Well, in Luke chapter 7, we see one of these such moments. Where Jesus is invited over to the, the house of Simon the Pharisee. And as he gets there, he lounges in or he lounges by the table, and a woman, who, who may not have been specifically invited, but it, it, you know, during this time, uh, 
You know, back in those days, it was whenever you invited the teacher over to your house, they kind of left the door open. It was kind of for, for everyone. So this woman heard that Jesus was going to be there, and, and she went, she came to, uh, to honor Jesus. She stood behind him, tears flowing down her face, so much so that as Jen just, just read, she, she washed the feet of Jesus. And then she knelt down and she dried his feet with her hair and kissed his, his feet that she had just cleaned. And then uh, sacrificed her offering of perfume and poured the perfume on Jesus' feet. Imagine the shift of mood in this room. Talk about awkward. <laughs> this woman chose a very inopportune time to worship Jesus. And that's what I'm going to call it, worship. She, <laughs> she knelt before him in a place where she wasn't invited and she gave him the honor. She didn't care what people around her might have been saying. In fact, I imagine that as she began to do this, there was chattering all over the room like, what is this? What is going on? And Simon, you know, we're not quite sure why he invited Jesus over, but, but we get a little bit of a glimpse into, into his mind whenever he says... In his, in his own head, he says in his own head, um, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. Completely disregarding the woman. And looking at Jesus, and Jesus does something really amazing right here. I think Jesus pulled everybody in a little bit more. Now, I don't know if you caught it whenever Jen read this, but because it was at the very beginning. I want to pick this up. Right here. Actually, it was before she read. It was in verse 41. Jesus begins to tell Simon a story. Two men were owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And this is the moment. Jesus was talking to Simon, and then he turns to the woman, but continues talking to Simon. And as this woman is there crying before Jesus, worshiping him, just imagine what Jesus, what Jesus' eyes and what his, what his demeanor was like towards this woman right here. The love that he must have been showing her as he looked at her. He spoke to Simon and he said, do you see her? Do you see her? So now this 
this mood changer where this woman had been making a scene and everybody was chitter-chattering around her. I can just imagine everything kind of quieted down. Maybe everybody inched up a little bit to hear what Jesus was going to say. Jesus was saying, this woman has done everything that you didn't. See, Jesus, in Simon's own home, says, Simon, you were a terrible host. And that's what Jen just read. You didn't welcome me in. You didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil. But this woman, she did. She took time. She came. She came prepared. Jesus kind of flipped the script here. In Simon's own home, he made this woman the host of the party. She acted like the host, and Jesus made her the host of this party. Not because she was the teacher, not because she had some some degree, but because she took time. And around the table, she worshipped Jesus. I'm convinced that she came here. She came to the table because she knew Jesus' forgiveness of her. She heard him speak, and there was nothing else that she could do. Just like David before her in, in 2 Samuel, she had to do Something. She had to show him, Jesus, I love you and I want to serve you. I want to give you my life. So in gratitude and sacrifice, she knelt before Jesus. And Jesus didn't say, Simon, look at me. Simon, watch how I deal with this woman who's right here. He wanted to be sure, Jesus wanted to be sure that Simon saw her. A few years ago, uh, Jeff gave a, 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 had a sermon series titled, It's Personal. And we were talking about our kids. We were talking about how each one of our kids needs five different questions answered in their life so they can see that we Love them, that they have a future, that they belong. Those questions were, do you know my name? Kids need to know that. Do you know what matters to me? Do you know where I live? Do you know where I come from? Here's a big one. Do you know what I've done? Do you know the pain that I've caused or the terrible things that I've done. But an even more important one, do you know what I'm capable of? All of these things boil down to, for me, one simple question. Do you see her? Do you see her? In all that she is, in, in, in all that she is bringing to the table, She is making herself vulnerable. And she is crying out to me while she's doing that. 
you know, over the past, um, over the past 18 months, we have become very good at coping without our community, with coping without the people that we share life with like we did before. It, at first, it seemed very hard, and, and we, didn't, we didn't like it at all. And then so many of us got used to it. We got used to the solitude. And sometimes when we get used to that, we forget that not only do we need to see others, but we, we need to be seen as well. I need to confess, there's been times that this is so hard for me. As a worship leader, a big part of worship minister, a big part of my job is to make sure that Sundays go well. That they go smoothly, that the stuff online is viewable and not just garbage for people to see. And so I try really hard. I make sure that people are ready and And I forget that in these moments, I don't think David was dancing on Sunday morning. And if it was, then awesome. This woman at the table, I don't know that it was a Sunday morning that she was worshiping before Jesus at his feet. A couple years ago, I got called out by uh, Miss Alice Ferry. <laughs> Alice is not afraid. Miss Ferry is not afraid to call people out if she sees it, if you know Alice Ferry, and I am so grateful for her. I was standing, waiting for people to come in, not sure if somebody was going to show up to, I don't know if it was to serve on communion or to read a scripture, and I was getting very anxious, very, as I do some Sundays. If people are around me, some people walk the other way whenever I come towards them on Sunday mornings because they think I might be asking them to do something. <laughs> But I was standing there talking to Alice, and my, and my eyes kept going to the door. I kept looking at the door to see if this person was coming in, and, and Alice stopped me. And she said, Jeremy, I am standing right in front of you. I am important, too. Of course, my first inclination was to be defensive. I say, Miss Alice, I'm sorry, I'm looking for people to come in. I need to make sure things are ready. But what I wasn't hearing at the time was Alice needed me to see her. It wasn't in here. It wasn't while we were singing. It was in a conversation that we were having. She needed me to spend time with her because she may not spend as much time with other people. She needed me to hear her hurts, maybe the things that she was struggling with. She needed me to sit at her table and be with her. <clears throat> See, sitting around the table is so much more difficult sometimes than, than Sunday mornings. Because whenever we're worshiping around the table... We tend to be more vulnerable. 
We tend to let our guards down. We share. <laughs> See, at this, at this table that Jesus and the woman were at, there's two tables that have been formed. We have Simon's table that he prepared. He probably didn't want messed up too much. Then we have the woman's table. And this woman wasn't just creating a table for herself and maybe few, a few of her friends. This woman was preparing a table so she could invite Jesus to be with her as well. See, when Jesus comes to the table, he doesn't come alone. He's bringing God and he's bringing the Spirit with him. And let me tell you, they are going to celebrate. They're going to comfort. They're going to be with you. Because when lives are changed, when people are vulnerable, when, when people come to worship, we're forgiven. Our lives are altered. And our path is new. We create these tables so we can be family with one another. Create these tables to give space that maybe people that, that come here on Sunday morning, this is awkward for them. Singing isn't for everybody. Lifting hands isn't for everybody. Jesus is inviting people to his table. We should be inviting people to our table, but make sure that we are inviting Jesus with them. Share in his, share in his love. Share in what he's done for you. Share in how he has changed you. Share in how he's forgiven you and in what your life is like now because of him. This is worship. And we are better when we can do this together. For so much of my life, worship has, has been about Sunday mornings and it's been about something that I have done personally. Maybe in the car, maybe out in the woods. And those times are, are great. But I believe Jesus knows that we need to see others. We also need to be seen. Truly seen. that is what worship is, if that's what being around the table is, that's what our connect group should be about, guys, then I, I don't know about you, I'm all in. That is what I want my worship to be like every day. I don't want to wait for Sundays. I want it to be every day when I wake up. I want it to be Matt coming over. He's got fridge rights at our house. Those of you that don't know what that is, he can just come in and get in our fridge. Doesn't matter what it is. Eat our leftovers. Eat our last drop of, or drink our last drop of milk. It doesn't matter. And then we sit at the table. 
and we worship, we share. So my question this morning is, is really simple. Which of these two tables that you see in this story do you want to be at? Which of these tables is the one that you want to invite others to as well? I'm going to ask that you stand and, um, and I'm going to ask the praise team to come up as well. <clears throat> And as we sing, uh, how great is our God, know that it's not just our songs that are lifted up, it's our prayers, it's our times of, it's our times of joy, it's our times that are just with a few other people, maybe you're on a walk, maybe you are, are just sitting at, a, at Starbucks with somebody, maybe you're, maybe you're working out with them, maybe you're in a tree stand out in the woods. And you share what Jesus is doing in your life. You share where you need help and you're vulnerable. That vulnerability is where God comes in. I'm so thankful this, this morning that, that Stephanie was able to, uh, to pray with our shepherds and with the women's group upstairs that met. A few weeks ago, she talked about how that's, as, she, as she got her new diagnosis, that the cancer had returned, that this is what she wants her life to be about. It's not just in Sunday mornings. It's whenever she's with anybody. She wants them to know what... She wants them to know what Jesus is doing in her life and has done in her life. But not only that, where she's going... God is so good. We can't leave him in this building. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you. We've got to help us. Help us to see this is not the only place, God, but that worship that is shared lives with each other. That is so difficult to do alone. Our worship is about you, wherever that takes place. God, it doesn't care about how we look and the awkwardness that it may cause other people. God, it's about you. Thank you for coming into our lives. Thank you for inviting us to your table. And God, help us, remind us to invite you. And God and the Spirit at our table. God, we love you. We offer this worship to you every day. Amen. <laughs>